We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Perpetual Chess. We have a guest that I am very excited about this week. He has been a top 10 player in the world. He's also been a trainer and a chess journalist. He has played almost 4,000 classical games by his count. Uh, And he is also an author, most recently, of Learn From Mikhail Krasenko, which gives away the identity of this guest. Grandmaster Mikhail Krasenko, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Welcome, everyone. Well, I'm very excited to have you. I've been uh, reading your book. Um, so for listeners who aren't familiar, it's it's uh, available widely in Europe already uh, from Thinkers Publishing. And in the United States, it's also being disseminated. It's available from some publishers already. It's on uh, Forward Chess, where I've been reading it. And uh, it's just a, a super fun read. It's a, it's a games collection, but also with, with a good amount of biography sprinkled in, which uh, from it with regular listeners know that's that's my kind of chess book and and what a biography because uh, I believe that you are 56 years old is that right 
Yeah. Years young, years young, I should say. Um, 56 years young, lived through so much chess history. Uh, You've played at at least four world champions. We'll we'll get to that. I grew up in the Soviet Union. Now you live in Poland. Um, So, but you begin the book by sort of going through chess, uh, your love of chess in your childhood. You say at the age of eight, the enchanting world of chess had kidnapped me, which I think is a feeling that a lot of our listeners can certainly relate to, even if we can't necessarily relate to being a top 10 player in the world. Um, So, why don't you start, uh, Mikhail, by just telling us about uh, those initial encounters with chess and a little bit about what it was like to be um, to to grow a passion for this game and start to uh, become a part of the uh, Soviet chess um, um, team, let's say. Yeah, no, actually, you know, uh, uh, chess was a very popular uh activity in the Soviet Union and it is still in Russia and other post-Soviet states right now. Uh, And uh, also it was a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of activity where uh, the Soviet Union had um, real achievements, not not paper achievements, (laughs) which uh, they had in, let's say, in economy and other things. But, uh, you know, the the it it is it was uh, there was a joke that uh, uh, there were uh, there was uh, there were two main areas where uh, chess union was uh, the sorry the Soviet Union was in in front of uh, the whole uh, humanity it's uh, ballet and uh, chess I was gonna guess ballet that's right yeah. yes 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 and uh, also there there was a joke that uh, uh, ice hockey is uh, promoted uh, so that uh, Soviet people should not drink too much vodka and uh, uh, chess is promoted so that uh, uh, Soviet people should not uh, listen to the voice of America. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes, and uh, uh, but actually, uh, so actually it was... uh, you, you know, in under the totalitarian regime, uh, you know the the, the what the uh, authorities uh, really promote and support uh, that area is uh, is developed. Uh, so you cannot, uh, for instance, in Poland uh, during the co- communist regime, uh, authorities were not very much uh, interested in developing chess. So chess was not developed very much, and uh, actually, uh, be- before the fall of the communism, uh, during that period, during the period of the communism, before the fall of the communism, there were only. Uh, three grandmasters in Poland, which yeah. even in that, that time it was not 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 a lot. Right, but <laughs> as we'll discuss, I, th- I hope later in our conversation. Of course, Poland is has has come a long way, and now you have uh, you know young yeah. standouts like Grandmaster Duda, um, uh, may, you know, representing Poland well. Yes. Um, but but let's stick to the Soviet Union for now. So um, I mean, so much chess history, and you. Um, you know, you had brushes with so many legends growing up. I mean, so many uh, modern day strong players, 
like uh, Khalifman and Gelfand and uh, Shabalov and the list goes on. And of course, you studied with legends like Dvoretsky and uh, Razuvayev and uh, on it goes. But I mean, so let's start just by talking a little bit about how how you how the Soviet system worked. So you you showed a talent and an affinity for chess and you describe taking the train for two hours to Pioneer Palace once uh, once that happened. How did uh, how did the training sessions work? How were you? Uh, was it open to everyone or were you identified as a talent as a child? Um, stuff like that. No, actually, uh, the, uh, the, the system, uh, uh, there was uh, even a uh, proverb uh, for uh, in the Soviet Union that everything is done for children. And actually it was uh, in some sense true because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities were created for, for, for children to develop their, their uh, talents and to so that they could uh, develop uh, their skill in various activities, improve their skill in various activities. And there were so-called uh, there was so-called system of uh, pioneer. Uh, Houses, as, as it was called, in pioneer palaces. Pioneer house was in every, uh, for instance, in Moscow. It was in each district, in, in each city district, and the, the pioneer palace is the main uh, center. So in, in the city, and uh, and uh, of course, uh, and uh, these uh, pioneer. Houses and the Pioneer Palace uh, have had uh, a lot of uh, various sections, and including sports sections, including and uh, which also included the uh, chess section. And uh, there were indeed a lot of uh, excellent uh, trainers who uh, who worked there. Uh, in my book, I told about I, I named. Uh, uh, a lot of them, but not all of them. I named uh, Oleg Meisev, uh, who actually was not my coach, but uh, he was one of the main coaches there in the Pioneer Palace. Uh, Viktor Lublinsky, uh, well-known player in the forties, in the forties and fifties, uh, who later went on to uh, become one of the trainers in the Pioneer Palace who played a big role in my in my chess career. Uh, then um, there was also uh, Grigory, before me there was Grigory Ravinsky who was also a, a well-known player before World War II in the 30s and, and also in the 40s. Uh, so Actually, they are like, uh, quite good uh, uh, train. Uh, quite, uh, they, they were quite uh, good players in old times, and then uh, they they became good uh, trainers. And uh, really, it was a great opportunity to to have a possibility to um, uh, to work with such people and uh, and learn a lot of them. But also, uh, you know. Uh, we also learned uh, a lot uh, f- from from our own experience because there were a lot of uh, tournaments and not like now because now uh, most of the tournaments for youngsters are rapid tournaments or actually there are not so many 
classic tournaments for youngsters. Although now we have uh, a lot of open tournaments, which didn't exist in those times. Yeah, you mentioned that um, you but, mostly would play against other kids yeah, at the time. So playing, playing, of course, we also learned. Uh, so every uh, chess experience uh, teaches us. And also when we play against each other, we also learn a lot. But of course, uh, now youngsters can learn much more when playing against uh, strong players in open tournaments. And uh, so, uh, so, so, uh, and also, you know, this is this was one of the systems, but also there were, uh, you know, the uh, of course, in the Soviet Union, uh, Soviet Union was a centralized state, and uh, the um, power belonged to the Communist Party, but uh, it was executed by various ways, but various uh, routes. And also, also, uh, and uh, this by various branches. For instance, there were so-called uh, sports associations. Like uh, the, uh, it's not like clubs. It's uh, just it's uh, um, associations they, that um, uh, belong to some branches of the of the economy of the of generally of uh, of of life. For instance, the military branch or the branch of uh, uh, high schools, which uh, uh, which was called Burevesnik, and it united. This is the sports association that uh, uh, united students, teachers, uh, uh, everyone who belonged to the to the high education. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, for instance, the sports association Trud, uh, which means labor. Uh, this is uh, association for workers, for those who work, uh, who worked in in industry and so on. Uh, I don't know. Urajai, which means harvest, is the association for farmers and peasants, something like that. Uh, and also uh, in uh, in uh, these association, these associations also. Uh, um, had some chess schools, and also uh, in Moscow there was uh, some. Uh, there was a school in which uh, uh, which gathered young uh, sportsmen, including chess players from from the whole uh, Soviet Union, uh, and uh, and they actually. Uh, lived there and uh, and also they had uh, they studied and they also studied uh, chess there for instance uh, a lot of famous players uh, uh, they studied in in that school for instance uh, Evgeny Bareev who is originally from uh, Kazan from Tatarstan and but he came to Moscow. He lived there in that school and studied there. And he he went to uh, to become a, a strong uh, player. And also the, uh, also there were some other uh, schools there. There were a lot of schools, and they uh, competed with each other. 
all of the, all of them all these schools uh, finally belong to the state to the government right but uh, they, they this system of ownership was very complicated it it went through various uh, routes from various branches yes and for the for the chess instruction what was the the nature of the instruction so uh, again you describe um you know, taking the train to go to these classes. So was it generally lecture style or game analysis? Um, it was how- uh, different, very different. It was, uh, of course, lectures, of course, uh, uh, analysis of some opening variations, analysis of games, uh, a lot of things. For us, it was the, it was even not so important uh, the... Uh, the men, the, the the men and the the type of the classes. It was important to have communication with the teacher, with the with the trainer, because you know then there were not so many possibilities to uh, you know to to listen to a, to such a specialist. Okay, we could we, could, we had this uh, this training. In the Pioneer Palace, also there were, there was, for instance, a chess school on TV, where there were some lectures of, for instance, grandmasters of Bach, Kortov. Uh, they conducted these lectures on TV, but this, uh, of course, not not so often. It was maybe once a week. I don't remember already. Uh, so. So it was uh, everything, every kind of uh, of uh, contact with uh, with the trainer is, was very interesting and important for us. Yeah, and obviously they had and enough, also, uh-huh. and also not with the trainer, but also with each other. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's the kind of uh, thing where success breeds success because you have other strong players, so you guys get to practice mm-hmm. against each other and see what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let let's move forward. So you're you're a top. Young, I mean, you were a fairly strong young player coming up in Moscow after learning to play at the age of eight, and pretty soon you're getting a chance to compete against other strong players. And before you know it, and this was these were the days before you know there were sixteen year old grandmasters, but you do eventually um, earn earn the highest title. Um, so what were once you you describe in the book the decision to go to university and sort of the push and pull between how much you pursue chess uh, versus, I believe it was uh, engineering. So how did how did that work in terms of uh, you you know you mentioned that you eventually had good support as a professional when you were young in the Soviet Union before you emigrated to Poland. But how did it work deciding whether you were going to pursue chess or pursue um, some uh, other career? Actually, um, you know. When uh, uh, when I went uh, when I started my studies, my university studies, uh, actually I, I studied uh, uh, applied uh, mathematics in the uh, University of Oil. Now it's called University of Oil and Gas. So before it was called uh, a bit differently, but this. Uh, Something like that also, uh, but that was a department of applied mathematics. So actually, I didn't, oh, didn't my- have much in common with oil and gas. Right. <laughs> yes, and uh, actually, uh, I I liked uh, mathematics, and I was I thought I was quite good in mathematics. So it was it was clear that I for me that I should uh, 
should study mathematics in one way or another. But, uh, uh, and I, indeed, when I studied, um, okay, I continued playing chess. I played, but mostly I played chess in Moscow, in Moscow, in this uh, Borivesnik Association uh, championships of Borivesnik uh, in Moscow, in the turn- in tournaments in Moscow, Moscow semifinals. Actually, it, it was uh, there were quite strong tournaments, and it was not so easy to qualify for the final. Uh, and uh, and other, also there were a lot of uh, team competitions uh, between uh, universities in Moscow. It, for instance, it was the uh, uh, championship of Moscow between high schools, the Spartacade it was of Moscow, the Cup of Moscow, a lot of competitions like this. Among uh, high schools, I mean, so it was very, it was uh, very interesting. Of course, the chess life was very intensive, but uh, but uh, actually, I didn't work uh, much on chess. I uh, because mostly I studied. I I, I did play, but I didn't uh, didn't work, didn't train uh, too much. And uh, then, but then uh, the following thing happened. Um, first of all, I, I I saw that I was that after all I was not uh, not uh, uh, too talented in mathematics. There mm-hmm. were two boys in our group, in our students' group, who are much stronger than everyone else. I looked at them and and saw uh, that okay, they 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 would probably become. Uh, real uh, good scientists and uh, I would be just an average engineer maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> so and the other thing that uh, uh, at some moment it it was clear that I would be uh, I would have uh, to go to the army after the uh, uh, I would be drafted to the army after f- finishing the uh, my studies. Uh, that was the system in the Soviet Union. I don't know if it still exists in Russia or other post-Soviet countries. That uh, okay, uh, those who went to uh, to universities, uh, they didn't have to go to the army immediately, uh, but uh, there were uh, there was in most of the universities there was uh, military training. So we had, for instance, once a week for the whole day or half a day, it was differently. Uh, we had a military training. And then uh, and then, you... then had some military camp. Then we have ex- exams, uh, special exams. Mil- uh, so, and then we got uh, an uh, officer degree, lieutenant or something like that. And uh, then after that, after finishing the uh, the university, uh, not everyone, but uh, a lot of of. Uh, um, graduates had to, were drafted to the army and I was one of those who who uh, went to the army after all and it was already clear that more or less one hour before I finished my studies that I, I would have to go to the army uh, 
And then, uh, of course, in the army, what what could I do? I'm completely a civilian person. I, right. <laughs> I'm not. A, I don't. You know, I don't. And uh, maybe I can understand something in these military matters, but I cannot uh, cannot be a military man. No. Yeah, you do. You do your fighting on the chessboard. Yes, I do my fighting <laughs> on the chessboard. So the only uh, the only way I could uh, really uh, spend this to because it was also it was uh, a two year draft, so we had to to spend two years in the army, uh, exactly like the the normal soldier so soldiers private uh, privates who. Uh, uh, drafted to the army if, if they uh, for the, those people who were drafted to the army if they don't didn't get to universities and then but uh, it's so the same uh, two years but uh, as officers we, we served as officers yes of course and uh, not a, and of course, for me, the only way to spend these two years uh, with some sensefully was to play chess, and that's why I already started playing chess more regularly when in the last year of my studies. And then I, when I went to the army, I immediately con- I because I was sent to the. Transcaucasian military district, which this is uh, uh, the district that uh, included uh, Georgia, Armenia, and and Azerbaijan. And uh, I immediately contacted the sports club, and uh, so they were were glad to have me in their team. So very soon they they took me to the club, and uh, I spent most of my service in the club uh, playing playing chess. Yes, definitely the, the preferred battlefield. Yeah, and then, then of course, when I went back, when I came back to Moscow, of course, I I was already a much stronger chess player, and uh, I decided not to not to work as an, an engineer, and I decided to pursue my chess career. And there was support for that for you to do that at that point. Yeah. Yes. Actually, uh, when I when I came to back to Moscow, it was in. Uh, in 1987, uh, I uh, I took a job in the uh, chess club uh, in the uh, Petrosian Chess Club, uh, and uh, actually I I worked as a trainer there, but not uh, not very intensively. Mostly I played, of course. And uh, then I actually that was the time. Actually, that was the time when uh, uh, it was uh, there were big changes in the Soviet Union. It it became possible to to play in international to go abroad to play in international tournaments, and uh, actually I. Uh, the, the, I started playing chess much more intensively as, uh, than than before, and practically became a chess professional. It must have been quite an eye-opening experience to to start to to see all these different cultures as you got the chance to travel and play. 
Uh, yeah, yes, of course. It was uh, no, first. It was uh, really. Uh, it was very interesting, of course, to visit uh, various countries, be- because before that, uh, I had been uh, abroad only once. It was very difficult in the Soviet Union to go abroad, especially to a Western country. So I had been only in the uh, East Germany uh, several years years earlier when I was a student. It was kind of. Uh, 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 scientific touristic trip, mm. mostly touristic, but also we, of course, we listened to some lectures, but mostly it was uh, it was tourism. Uh, so and uh, then uh, and then when uh, these uh, changes, so-called perestroika, came, then uh, it was indeed. Uh, completely different experience playing playing chess in uh, various countries an ability to and actually it was uh, very important it was a possibility to uh, to get international titles because for instance to get an IM title uh, was uh, was impossible for, for uh, in, was very difficult in the Soviet Union for a simple reason because it was difficult to play an international tournament. It was not difficult to to score a norm. It was dif- difficult to get a possibility. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when I of course when I started going abroad, I I quickly fulfilled all IM norms. And then, of course, G- with GM norms, it was more difficult because it is already a serious title and serious uh, and uh, serious norms. But uh, somehow, it it also went uh, quite smoothly. Well, yeah. When when we look, we'll talk about your games in a little bit. And when when looking at your games, it's pretty clear how it went so smoothly. They're they're incredible. But so we'll get to that uh, in short order. But I just want to talk a little bit more about um, the, the biography and the timeline of making your way to Poland. So you, you mentioned in the book that you were in Spain playing chess when the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, could, could you uh, just describe, <laughs> describe your feeling? No, no, it was, it was, uh, I was playing chess when the, the, uh, the famous so-called August coup happened in the Soviet Union. It was in August 1991. And then, uh, but actually, when the Soviet Union collapsed, I was also in Spain, but at, an, in a, at another tournament. Okay. okay. But okay, when the, that uh, coup happened, uh, I was in Spain, but uh, fortunately, it was suppressed, and uh, there was that problem to ask for for a political asylum or come back somehow was not really really. Uh, was finally not a problem, <laughs> and uh, then, uh, then when uh, actually the, the, when the Soviet Union collapsed, the situation was very difficult in in Russia, and uh, it was uh, also okay, okay. It was quite easy to already quite easy to go abroad to international tournaments, but still there were a lot of. Uh, Problems and there was simple uh, living problems. And besides, at that time, I had uh, some 
personal problems because I had all, uh, I had already married and we had a, a daughter, but we had no place to live. And uh, so, because because of some circumstances, and then uh, then also, and uh, that was another reason why actually I had to. I, I looked for a possibility of uh, immigration, and then, uh, as I describe in my book, uh, I was invited to come to Poland and to, to, to obtain a possibility to, to, get, uh, to, to buy a flat at uh, good conditions, good credit conditions. And uh, actually, I, I took that possibility because it was uh, and the first possibility, I, 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 the first help I got from, from abroad. Uh, and uh, you know it was it could have happened uh, I, I could have been invited uh, to any other country at that time yeah. but you the first yeah. country which invited me was Poland and, and you're still there to this day yeah. um, so did you did you know anyone in Poland were you able to speak any Polish how was how was the transition uh, actually uh, of, of course I, I had uh, I had played uh, in the Polish team championship uh, in the previous year uh, in 1991 and that's that's how I got acquainted with all, all these people of our club by the way I'm now again in the same club I'm playing for the same club still on uh, Gozhov so uh, and uh, and th- that's why uh, Actually, it was not. It was not like I came there. I didn't know anyone. Of course, there were people who helped me. Especially, I, I should name uh, the uh, head of the chess section of of the club, uh, Doctor Konrad Tolkach, who is uh, still alive and well, but he's now, although he has already retired. But um, and well, uh, and uh, that's that's the the man who really helped uh, me and my family uh, uh, regarding learning the language. It was uh, not so difficult because the language is not difficult. Uh, it is. Uh, I would not say similar to to Russian, but it's from the same group. Mm-hmm. It belongs to the same group. So it was not a problem. Actually, I, I could speak Polish after a couple of months. So it was not a problem. And of course, it was it was even even easier uh, for my uh, daughter who who right, came. Of course, uh, yeah. of, of course, although he uh, although she. Uh, she uh, actually for the first uh, several years uh, I lived uh, sometime in Poland, sometime in, in Moscow, uh, and also my also my family and my daughter. Finally, uh, finally we came to to Poland for for good in uh, 1997. I mean that. Uh, we practically we didn't live in Moscow anymore. Must must have been tough to be separated it's, from your from your daughter. 
Yeah, it's okay. We, we, we used to come to each other mm-hmm. here and there, so it was not, not, a, so not a big problem. And were, and, you, uh, mm-hmm. were you able to immediately work as a chess professional in Poland, or did you have to pursue other, other work options? No, no, it was, uh, you know, I, practically all the time I, I played chess. Uh, so I played in tournaments. I, I I did a lot of things, but uh, all of them were connected with chess. So okay. Also, I did some uh, from the beginning. I did some coaching. Uh, no, I told I, I told in my book that I I worked as a, for several months. I worked in Bangladesh as a as a coach of the national team, and also I, I helped. Uh, uh, some players in Poland, but mostly I mostly I played chess. Yes, okay. was, this was my main activity for the, in those years. Okay, well, to me the the life history itself is fascinating, and I could I could listen to to you tell that story of you know modern history and chess history for hours. But but let's get to the playing chess because the bulk of your book is is your games, and the games are incredible. I mean, you've played so many uh, super strong players so uh when when you think back on your career uh you've had some highs and lows as you write about what what do you like what do you consider the the highlight no of course my my greatest achievement is the the feedable championship in uh, groningen and uh, lausanne groningen actually that was the first part of the championship is in 1997 when I uh, advanced to the fifth round. It was uh, uh, top top nine because uh, Karpov was uh, Karpov played uh, directly with uh, against the winner of the of the knockout tournament. So in the knockout, I advanced to the, the top eight and plus Karpov. So the, the, it was top nine. So it was probably my greatest uh, sporting achievement, and uh, and also of course uh, the uh, the uh, twenty seven hundred rating that I got in uh, in the year two thousand. Then it was top ten in the world. Which unfortunately I was not able to capitalize. Let's say. Yeah, I mean that, that's one way to put it. You describe in the book that that you you worked so hard for so long, uh, you finally reached this level, and you felt like there would be this flood of invitations to top level tournaments, but that wasn't really how it turned out. Uh, yeah. Yes, that and then, but also you you know you. Uh, <laughs> You you should be patient. Uh, you, you, okay, you should not uh, you should not think that when you when you reach the top level you you will you will stay there without problems because one thing is to reach the, the a certain level and the other thing is to stay there. It's and uh, when I. Somehow I don't know why why it happened. Why I I started playing much worse and my play declined. So you know it was really it was a real disaster. 
at that time. Yeah, you you joke in the book that you felt like you may have lost a record number of ELO points in a year. Yeah, that's not a joke. I I think uh, I know only two, let's say, uh, higher results in this. (laughs) Right. Points. It was the record belongs anti-record. I would say belong belongs to Grandmaster Igor Gleck, my my. By the way, my friend of my childhood, uh, who lost 165 uh, points in a year. <laughs> and right. uh, the second uh, in in the row is uh, Mikhail Tal, who lost 150. Oh, good they company. <laughs> Yes, good company. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, it was not so pleasant. No. Yeah, I mean, could you describe a little bit more what it did feel like? Because I'm sure our listeners, we all have chest lumps, and here you were at the at the pinnacle of your field. Uh, so, um, how how did it feel? Were you able to like? Were you able to think about other things? Were you able to take care of your kids and maintain perspective, or were was it just driving you crazy to 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 make such a jump and then fall back. No, no, it was not. Okay, uh, it was maybe kind of relief that okay now I'm an average grandmaster, so I can I can normally I can play normally. Okay, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, the, the world's not watching as much. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so, uh, actually, uh, I'm generally looking at my career. Of course, I could could have uh, achieved more probably but uh, well uh, it's uh, it's uh, there is no point to regret about the past so generally i'm i'm quite satisfied yeah i mean it's uh an incredible career in my mind um you although you know you mentioned that you feel you could have achieved more and you mentioned in the book that you felt like you didn't you didn't work as as hard as you you could have um, so what do you think it is that, that separates the, the absolute elite players? I mean, you've played so many of them, Kasparov, Kramnik, Anand, Karpov, uh, you know, Grishuk, and, you know, so many more. Um, what, what do you think separates the, the very top players from the, you know, next step down where, where you uh, have been? Well, I think, uh, I think first of all, the... The understanding of, like, I think, you know, first of all, I would say that it, it is different with uh, every uh, every player because every player has uh, his uh, merits and his drawbacks, and uh, those uh, top players are really strong in in every in every field of uh, of chess. Their drawbacks are not so visible. That that uh, are they more universal? I would say. So, what was your shortcoming? I mean, I feel silly for me to say you had a shortcoming as a player, well, but but in your mind, what was uh what what was your drawback? You know, uh, after all, I think uh, some uh, hard to say. Maybe maybe after all this, uh, the understanding of of maybe the positional understanding the understanding of chess is for me my, my understanding of chess may probably is a bit uh, standard i would say not mm, uh, some subtle i don't feel some subtleties of 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 chess of 
positional chess. Maybe that's it's some sometimes yeah. it's difficult to describe, yeah. but that's what I think. I uh, because there are these top players very often these top players just outplay me. So somehow uh, it looks like I do everything well, and then suddenly it turns out that they do it better. <laughs> They understand it better. And yeah. then, you know, I lost a lot of spectacular games, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, probably the best game uh, played by, by uh, Hikaru Nakamura, he, he won against me. Oh, yeah, that queen takes F2. Sacrifice. Yeah, that game is amazing. Was, no, okay, that was, the, that but, was my miscalculation, yes. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you've got, your games are no joke. I mean, your calculation is pretty impressive, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I wouldn't sell yourself short in that regard. I would have been surprised if you had said that the calculation was where you were outclassed. I mean, I'm sure, as you say, that, that these players, they, you know, they're as good or better than you in, in, in all aspects. But, but your calculation, your tactics are quite, uh, quite a sight to behold in the books. I'm, yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, maybe I'm not bad in calculation, but uh, still... Uh, they're probably better. There's another level, yeah. So, what is so? This is obviously a collection of your favorite games. This book, but if you were to pick just one or two, do you have one or two that that you favor above all? Uh, well, it's uh, it's hard to say. I was uh, often I have been often uh, asked this question, and uh, earlier I said that. Uh, that my favorite game was the game against Nick de Fermian from the Polenica tournament 1995. But then I found so many mistakes in that game that now I, I, huh. I, I can't treat it as as uh, my best game. Okay, it was uh, because you know it's it's also interesting. It kind it's kind of a, a uh, maybe it, it shows also my my drawbacks. It's insufficient. Insufficiently flexible thinking because it was a positional fight in that game, and uh, I um, notoriously missed tactical possibilities in mm. that fight. So it was not not enough flexible. When when the position is, the, there is a tactical fight, you understand that uh, the, you should. Uh, Calculate and find tactical possibilities, but when uh, it is positional, then uh, unfortunately, uh, that was when I when I miss a lot. Maybe this is this is uh, one of my important drawbacks, and uh, otherwise I don't know. I can't uh, name any particular game. Of course, uh, I, I like very much my uh, combination that uh, happened in my old game against Alexander Lagunov in uh, uh, 1985, uh, which is actually not, a, according to Botvinnik's classification, is not a combination. It's a forced maneuver. Interesting. A very nice maneuver of uh, uh, Queen and Rook. Oh well, yeah, that was yeah yeah the the queen a four that so what differentiates the combination versus the the maneuver? Uh, according to Botvinnik, the combination includes a, uh, includes a sacrifice, and the forced maneuver is doesn't include a sacrifice. That's oh, interesting. His, his definition. 
Yeah, and um, okay, of course, uh, other other great players they had their own definitions. So, but actually, it's not not so important. So, um, any, anyway, the beauty of chess is not 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 always uh, includes uh, sacrifice. So yes, beautiful yeah. ideas are there are very there are various diff- uh, beautiful ideas. You had your share of uh, sacrifices, especially uh, Rook takes G7. I noticed you had. Yeah, uh, no, well, well, of course, uh, this is very pleasant to to sacrifice a piece or or, or a rook or even a queen. It's very spectacular, but but actually, somehow, you know, I I, I like real. Uh, subtle position, uh, subtle positional play, even more. That's probably because uh, my one of my favorite plays was Akiba Rubinstein, because and uh, that's that of course uh, that was due to the lectures of uh, Yuri Razovayev at the Smyslov School uh, when I was when I was a kid. Uh, when I attended those lectures, they are great. They were great, and uh, after, so they were mostly devoted to the uh, games by Akiba Rubinstein because Razovayev was writing his uh, book, which is quite famous in Russia. Uh, the book about Rubinstein, but the, his lectures were much. Were, the book was excellent. But uh, his lectures were much better than the book because uh, he, the, he explained everything much, uh, much more live manner than it was written in the book. And what was his presentation style? Was it was it interactive or more sort of uh, solo lecture? Uh, was he animated uh, or reserved? Well, reserved. Yes, reserved. Mostly reserved. Mostly retroactive. Uh, no, uh, retroactivity was limited. Mostly, it was his uh, solo style. Yes, so it was just his grasp of the material. Though. Yes, but, uh, very, very. Um, he, it's it's just a conversation, you know. He talked uh, and explained. Uh, so no, somehow he 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 managed to explain the beauty of positional play. That was that was great. Wish I could have been there, <laughs> yeah, a little little bit before my time and place. But yeah, I mean, it's legendary trainer, of course, and uh, yes, of course, um, of uh, many many players who are great to to this day. Um, so, uh, you know, pivoting off of that, uh, one one topic, of course, that we always like to touch on in in our interviews here on Perpetual Chess is uh, your the guest improvement advice. So you've trained top level players. Obviously you, you are and have been a top level player. Uh, what do you think are, how do you, how do you think? Um, I mean, it's obviously hard to generalize, but what, what advice do you give when people come up to you and say, how do I get better at chess? Well, actually for the, for the first thing that uh, teaches you is your own experience. That's why uh, it is important to to play chess, to to play and to to play a lot, and uh, look at these Indian kids, yeah, who, who just travel from one tournament to another, and they really make 
make progress, make visible progress. That is just progress that is visible. You you can see that he he plays better and better. This guy plays better and better every month. So this is uh, talking about Pragananda or Sarin or yes, just, well, yeah, all of them. Yes, yeah. There are a lot of them. I, I can't name all yeah. of them. <laughs> yes, and uh, really, they 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 make progress uh, very quickly. Uh, I don't know. Of course, I don't know how they work with uh, coaches and uh, and uh, how important is it is for them. But I think uh, the fact that they they play a lot is uh, is the best. Uh, the best thing that uh, they can do, and uh, and also you know now as I as I said earlier, it is uh, easy to to meet uh, strong players. You just play in an open tournament and you play against uh, IMs and GMs. If you play, of course, uh, reasonably well. Yes. And uh, and you learn from them. Then the other thing is uh, computers. Of course, you can learn a lot. Uh, okay, the computer doesn't uh, explain you um, why it shows the best move, doesn't, but doesn't explain you why this move is right. the best. Because uh, so a- anyway, you must uh, you must uh, think yourself and uh, understand all these things. But nevertheless, it's of course. Uh, and also, it's a source of information because earlier, you know, in, in my uh, in, in times, uh, it was very difficult, for instance, to to make a collection of games on the particular opening. So you had to you had uh, big notebooks and had to write down all these games uh, from from various magazines, taking them from various magazines, from informants, and so on, so on. And now it is uh, much easier to to make uh, any kind of preparation to prepare any opening. So it, now it's uh, maybe uh, there is another problem to to select information. There is a lot of information, but uh, you you have no problem uh, to find it. But you have to select it to select yeah. uh, what what is important and. Um, and of course, uh, so, so so I think uh, every actually uh, in, in in my opinion everything every kind of uh, uh, of work on chess is is good. Reading books, uh, analyzing your own games. Besides, besides, I mean, besides playing playing practical play. Uh, so everything you just uh, you sh- you should l- love chess and devote your time to chess somehow and uh, every everything is good. Okay, I, I don't mean playing uh, playing blitz games on on chess servers. Maybe it's the uh, it's also useful. By the way, it also right. gives. Experience, but uh, maybe it's not as useful as uh, other other kinds of chess activity because blitz games and rapid games is something a bit different. Yeah, yes. that makes sense. And and what are what are your favorite chess books? Um, you 
Well, I have actually it's hard to say. No, my my probably uh, my because I I I really love uh, uh, end games. So maybe my f- uh, favorite book is uh, Dvoretsky's End Game Manual. <laughs> Yes, many, many many grandmasters have named that one as their favorite. And did you get a chance to to uh, take lessons or attend lectures of uh, Dvoretsky? Yes, of course. He is one was one of the trainers at the Smyslov School, and uh, he really his lectures was very uh, well, so very interesting as well as as Razuvayev's lectures. So this actually these were two. Uh, two uh, trainers who really made uh, the greatest impact on on my career and uh, my chess knowledge. Uh, yes, y- you you and many others. <laughs> um. So, any any books besides uh, Dvoretsky's Endgame Manual? Any of the uh, class? No, actually, books? I, I actually I recommend um, uh, everyone generally. I recommend Dvoretsky's books because that the problem is the there is the following problem uh, that uh, different uh, authors, different uh, trainers have different approach to to chess. For instance, Dorfman has a completely different approach. Uh, Chuchilov has also a completely different approach. Yeah, they have diff- various theories. And, uh, okay, it is, if, of course, it is uh, interesting to, uh, to know everything, but uh, it's, it's, uh, on the other hand, it's very difficult because, uh, okay, if, if you devote all your time to chess, then you can learn everything and compare all these theories and uh, and uh, uh, choose uh, the, the-, the theory that you, you, you like most. But... Uh, for the begin for the beginning, I mean, uh, of course, not a beginner, uh, qualified qualified player, but uh, uh, not not the top player. Let's say uh, for the beginning, I think uh, Dvoretsky's books would be very very useful because he has his own system, has his own approach, has a lot of exercises. So so if you uh, uh, study his books and uh, solve these exercises. It, it will be really a, a great, uh, great piece of knowledge. Let's okay. say, I would say. And and in going through your games, your your calculation ability was uh was pretty pretty striking to me. Did was that something that you worked on a lot? Did you feel like you were naturally talented at calculating? How do you how does one cultivate that? Ability. No, that's uh, actually. Of course, I I did a lot of exercises on calculation, but but uh, probably and it really it can be developed, but uh, probably I don't know. Probably also I had an, an ability to uh, to calculate variations, and uh, that is no. Well, I would not say I'm really uh, very strong in in calculation, but uh, decently, <laughs> say strong. I think a lot and, of us would would like to be decent, decent like you yeah. are at <laughs> calculating. But, but. Uh, you know, there's the analysis in this book. Then they, of course, uh, 
Uh, of course, I I, uh, I try to explain what I uh, did really calculate and what I found later in the analysis, but uh, these things should not be mixed up. Right. So, of course, not not all analysis uh, presented in this book were results of calculation. Of course, there are a lot of right. them uh, the result of home analysis and uh, even recent improvements with computers. So yeah, it was interesting hearing you talk about that as regards with regard to openings as well, because you know you were advancing the theory of opening when you were. Um, you know, at your peak and competing the most playing, but a lot of your comments were like, at the time we thought this, at the time we thought that about the opening, but now uh, a lot more has been discovered. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, now, now, of course, now it is, uh, the, the point is that uh, now, now computers can, uh, in many situations, can show you a lot of, a lot of things and a lot of uh, a lot of novelties that we we could find after long analysis are now shown by computers instantly yeah. now the, there is a different problem the problem is how to uh, to um, not to cheat a computer but to cheat a player who who believes the computer right. to find a way that uh, is maybe not uh, not particularly good uh, for uh, not not particularly well evaluated by a computer, but is will be really good against a human player because right. you know the computers uh, computer has the computers and uh, uh, computer engines they have their own their own scale of uh, assessment of positions, which is not exactly the same as. Uh, as the scale of evaluation for humans, for instance, there are there can be positions in which uh, uh, there are a lot of positions. That, for instance, computer evaluates them as equal, but in fact, in human play, uh, it is very difficult to play for one of the sides. For instance, for black or for white, especially in positions with uh, disbalanced material. So it is. Uh, they are very difficult to to evaluate, and the computer evaluation is is not always uh, not not always doesn't always reflect what can happen in a human play. And that right. actually, after after all, if we we say that white is better in a certain position, it means that if uh, if two grandmasters sit against each other. Uh, there are in play 100, not two grandmasters, 100 of grandmasters play 100 games against uh, each other, then uh, in most of the games, white will prevail. Uh, but uh, that, uh, that doesn't exactly mean that uh, the uh, computer will evaluate this uh, position as better for, wi- for white according to his... Uh, his uh, criteria of achievement right. or of evaluation criteria of evaluation sorry so that that is that is a very important point yeah. and also there is although there is a psychological factor for instance the style of the styles of players uh, there are positions that uh, certain players in which certain players don't feel well 
So it's also important when uh, during the opening preparation. So actually now the opening preparation is a, a very interesting field of uh, of uh, uh, a very a very interesting uh, skill of one of the very interesting skills of a chess player, which is uh, uh, which is also very interesting. You know, I would say some. 30 years, 25 or so years ago when computers, when we had our first computers and we were delighted by the uh, possibilities computer found, computers found in, in the openings and in, in other positions. So now it is, it is normal. Now we, we should not be delighted by computer by computer discoveries but we should uh, uh, should be rather delighted by anti-computer discoveries <laughs> interesting <I would'll> say. <laughs> okay so Mikhail I just have uh, one or two more questions if you're up for it okay uh, one is from a supporter of the podcast. Uh, thank you, Sanat Singhal, for the support, as always. So Sanat is a high school student. I believe he's rated around 2,000 to 2,100, just to give you a little perspective. Um, so maybe not necessarily tracking to be a chess professional, but he, he loves chess and asks you, um, what life lessons or skills and abilities did playing chess give you? Uh, once again, what? What life lessons or skills and abilities did playing chess give you? In other words, is there something that you learn from chess that you apply in uh, other? I, other uh, no. First, first of all, uh, I think uh, th- this is the ability to uh, to take decisions. I think it is. Uh, it is. Um, it's it's important. Uh, because uh, you know it's 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 in it's kind of a real chess is a model of uh, not not of life but model of a certain uh, some situ- uh, situation and um, it is uh, a com- competitive situation, and in in life, uh, you also should be uh, should understand that there are various uh, there are complicated relations between uh, between uh, uh, people and. Uh, and you should uh, anticipate what will happen what will happen uh, what will happen next you should uh, you know uh, anticipate de- development of events uh, in life and that is probably what uh, what uh, chess uh, teaches everyone yeah Think I think it is uh, also uh, uh, you know the, for instance this program chess in schools uh, that is now developed is is uh, being developed in especially in Europe but also in all over the world uh, it is not uh, its its purpose is not to create chess players to create strong chess players it's it's purpose to 
to learn uh, children to think and to to anticipate uh, matters, to preview the consequences of their decisions, uh, something like that. No, well, yes. you know, of course, life is much more difficult, much more complicated than chess. Yeah, I mean, just thinking to the, to the stories you've you've told about. Uh, your your country collapsing around you as as you try to pursue a career as a, a chess professional. I can can imagine the ability to take decisions was was helpful um, when things got difficult. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, actually, you know, you never you never know in also in chess. You you often you very often you don't know what would uh, would have happened if had you uh, made a different move and also. Yeah. In life, it is. It is. Uh, you cannot. Uh, you, you can never know what would. What, for instance, what would have happened uh, if had I not uh, emigrated to Poland? Right. No one knows. And um, uh, but uh, in chess, uh, the the move has been done. You should not. Uh, you should not regret. You should forget. Forget about it and think uh, think of uh, a new position, and also in life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, some some people ask me, "Do you regret that uh, you got uh, uh, you you studied in the university? If you uh, after that you never worked in the field of mathematics? No, okay, I can. What can I say? No, I I, I can't." Uh, regret about anything it it happened okay so uh, had, had i not studied in the uh, in the university then my life would have uh, would have been would have been completely different right so no one knows what will happen okay and just just one more topic um i was just wondering mikhail if you have any from all your time traveling and all your your brushes with with top players, you mentioned having worked with Anand a little bit in the book. Um, you mentioned this uh, this story of uh, playing Kolmov when he was drunk at the board after his wife <laughs> left town. Do you do you have any like uh, not necessarily at the board highlights, but but favorite memories just from from your whole life experience playing chess and and socializing um, uh, in between rounds. Okay, of course, of course, the, I have a lot of memories. <laughs> you know, it is uh, it is not 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 so easy even to uh, recall all of them at, at once. For instance, I, I'm I, of course I have uh, seen and talked uh, to a lot of. of Famous players, even not not at the chessboard. For for instance, uh, Smyslov is uh, is a fantastic person, and uh, I can tell you a number of very funny stories which happened with Smyslov. I, I can tell you just just uh, one. Oh, oh just two. Oh, just sure. two, two <laughs> stories. Uh, when uh, well. They happened at the tournament in Kolkata in India in 1995. And uh, no, the first story, uh, Smyslov played against uh, Grandmaster uh, Vladimir Malanyuk, uh, unfortunately already late. 
And uh, okay, it was very interesting games. Uh, Smyslov sacrificed two pawns, and at first glance, it looked that like okay, the compensation for those pawns was very dubious. But then Smyslov uh, confidently outplayed his opponent. Then after the game, they sit uh, in the analysis room. Uh, and analyzing the game and Malanik of course is uh, is very sad and he 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 uh, laments uh, that okay uh, well I had an excellent position I could have could have played this or this with and uh, I was simply better so Smyslov listens to him and then says. Well, of course you played against a, uh, a guy who doesn't know anything about chess. <laughs> you simply had bad luck. <laughs> right. uh, the next story, uh, Smyslov played against a young Georgian player. No, now he's a, um, a quite a well-known grandmaster, um, Georgi Kachishvili. And uh, it was at the end of that tournament, and uh, Smyslov was white, and he uh, he made a quick draw. And uh, okay, after the game, I I I asked him, uh, so Vasily Vasilyevich, you were white. Why did you make a quick draw? Oh, you know, I, and I must tell you that Smyslov uh, already had already quite poor sight. His eyes were not uh, not so good in the, already in those times. Okay, he says, uh, well, you know, Kosashvili is a very strong player. I played against him once. So, but uh, then I, I, I say, uh, but Vasily Vasilievich, uh, this was not Kosashvili. You know, Kosashvili is a grandmaster, husband of uh, uh, Sofia Polgar. Uh-huh. Uh, well, this, this was this was not Kosashvili. This was Kacheishvili. <laughs> really? Okay, I think he is also a very strong player. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, of course, uh, there were a lot of such stories. This is just just a story with uh, Smyslov. Okay, maybe maybe once I, if I if I if someone is interesting, maybe later I'll, I'll try to to write a book, uh, kind of book with more memories and with such funny stories. That that would be amazing, <laughs> a, a Genesis Sanko style uh, book of uh, recollections. Um, yes, we, uh, we we would love that. Um, Okay, well, well, unless you have anything else, I I just want to thank you for for your time and and thank you for this book. I mean, it's uh, it, I really did I really did love uh, going through it. I mean, the the biography itself is very dense, and there's there's you. I mean, you've you've just lived through so much, and then you get to the chess, and the chess is just amazing. As uh, um, the chess is the uh, obviously the main event of the book, and uh, you know, w- one good thing about Games Collections book is that. Uh, Anyone from basically anyone from any level can benefit from from the games. Um, yes, that's why generally I think that uh, generally one of the uh, I told you that any activity, any chess activity, any any piece of chess uh, knowledge is 
is useful, but of course, studying games of uh, uh, collections of games of great players, uh, so, so is not 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 uh, not call myself a great player, but uh, I mean great players of our our times, in not our times, classical players. Uh, this is uh, always very useful and always very, very important, especially games uh, uh, with uh, annotations by the player himself, because he can explain how, what he thought about the, the position, how he took decisions. And also, I think the, the recent uh, books by Gerfand are very interesting when he explains uh, how he took decisions in chess. So I think this kind of game of books is is uh, very useful. Yes, understanding how the deci- decisions uh, were taken. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a good note to to end on. Um, Last thing, Mikhail, I don't know. Some some guests of the show like to make their contact information publicly available and some don't. I don't know if you're available for lessons for anyone who might be interested or inquiries or if you prefer to keep your information private. But I just wanted to, to throw it out there and you can let me know um, if if there's a way yeah. that, you, that you can be reached. Yeah, actually, actually no. Anyone can contact me. So I... Uh, I don't work very intensively as a as a as a coach, and but generally, yes, I I, I conduct uh, private lessons and from time to time. Yes. Okay, so is it okay to put your email address in the uh, the show yes. description? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, so I'll do that, and I just want to thank you again. This was this was incredible, and I really enjoyed the book. And I will uh, link to where to get the book, listeners. So uh, you guys should check it out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your contributions to chess, um, Grandmaster Cross and Co. It, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who helps make Perpetual Chess possible. That includes my producer, Matthew Passy, and Geert Vandervelt for supplying the intro music. I also want to thank all of you who have helped spread the word about the show. That includes people who tell your friends and write positive reviews on Apple Podcasts or other platforms. Every little bit helps. But most of all, I want to thank the people who provide financial support. As you guys have heard me say, I spend a lot of time on this show, about five hours a week, and even though it's my favorite aspect of the work that I do, I would not be able to do all this without financial support. So most of all, I want to thank my Patreon and PayPal Perpetual Partners. They are Chessable.com, Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adam Vrancourge, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Benjamin Handelman, Brian Castro of BetterChessTraining.com, Bill Moran, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, I am Carlos Perdomo of ChessAtlanta.com, Chad Hilton, Chad Oliver, Chris Balcom, Chris Flanagan, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Chabri, Christopher Woods, I am Christoph Zalicki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel Gell, Daniel Ginsberg, Daniel Lucas, Daniel Naylor, Daniel Schaefer, Daniel Vine-E, David Cramley, Dwayne Edmonds, Ethan Smith, I am elect Donnie Ariel. Frank Tortoris, MD, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelt, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, I am Greg Shahadi, Harish Srinivasan, GM Jakob Ogar, 
James Bonastia, Jason Woolham, Jeff Anderson, Jennifer Valens of OffTheRook.com, Jeffrey Martello, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, John Jernigan, WGM Jen Shahadi, Jens Green, Jerry Wells, John Thompson, Kare Christensen, WGM Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, I am Kostya Kovrutsky, Krishna Gopalakrishnan, Laura Belyavsky, Lucio Casada Silva, Matthew Passi, Martin Habich, Matthew Tedesco, The Mysterious Moonmaster 9000, Mr. Mike Shahadi, Nate Salon, Nathan Webster, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passi Passanin, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paolo Santana, Peter Lux, Peter Merrifield, Quality Chess Books, Randall Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Rob Lazorchek of DiplomatChess.com, Robert Steiner, Ryan Stone, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Steiner Lima, The Law Offices of Stuart Katz, WGM Tatyav Abrahamian, Thomas Casper, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Todd Bryant, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Victor Vrancouge, FM Zhao Cheng, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Wow, the list is getting long. Let's keep getting it longer, guys. Thanks a lot, and I'll catch you all next week. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.